Welcome to the Fire and Earth podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Gruber. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Mefford. And I am Kathy Groover, and we are so excited to have a very special guest. This woman is amazing. I love her to death. She was one of the first people I met in business here in Santa Barbara. It is Valerie Ann Burns. Welcome, Valerie. (laughs) We got the fake crowd noise going on there, but anyway, everybody's cheering in the background. They are cheering in the background. So why don't you tell everybody like who you are, what got you to this point in your life? Just a quick background, and then we'll launch into some some conversation. Okay. Wow. Quick background. Um, Originally from Miami, grew up a lot of time on the island, which is how my book is titled Caution Mermaid Crossing. Voyages of a Motherless Daughter. Uh, So that was my escape, my bliss. Um, You know, during, even as a toddler, I was already in the water. Uh, And uh, I have lived in several cities throughout the uh, country. I worked in the movie business in LA, uh, doing story as a stylist. I just pretty much everything. Also did some casting and worked in talent and um, and then uh, with my ex-husband, um, we had several screenplays. We made a film uh, that, I, that I did, that I produced, your story credit on. So I have some of that background. Um, came, after divorce, I kind of had to reinvent myself again and had my background in fashion and interior design, which I studied in Europe and uh, in Atlanta, and just thought, so naively, oh, I can do this. So I just got a business card and didn't know anyone in town and added, you know, brick by brick by brick, so to speak. Uh, that's how I met you in some of those networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would do wardrobe image makeovers and interior decor makeovers and had a good run. And then we had our big crash in what, 2010, something like that, 20, mm-hmm. 2009. Um, moved around a lot in Santa Barbara. It's a tricky place um, for, mm-hmm. for rentals and the expense of that. So I, you know, carried on. And then um, eventually when I got diagnosed in 2013, which was very much genetic, that's how my mother passed. I was only three when my mother died. Wow. Um, so it was in both breasts, which is a 5% category. Um and it went on for six and a half years, uh, mostly because of complications with um, staph infections and so forth. Mm-hmm. So very, very long, nine major surgeries, lots of hospital stay. And somehow in between all that and recoveries, I was writing a book. And um, 2016 was kind of the middle of it. I got accepted to the Prague Summer Writing Program. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had a big surgery coming up and my oncologist said, go. So I went for a month. I was the only one there without a formal degree, um, but got in on my writing. And it was through those workshops that gave me the confidence, mm. right? uh, especially Stuart Dybeck, who is a prolific writer, author, professor, um, to come back and turn all my essays into a book. Wow. I, I got an editor. Uh, you know, a professional editor. Mm-hmm. And she pointed out that, yeah, those that's great that you're a floaty, ethereal, beautiful writer. However, 
you need to anchor this book and and link all of the essays and so that took eight months oh sure yeah and then um absolutely naive a total reinvention uh you know at the age of 60 to to launch into that being uh my main thing um and through the pandemic so i've been also taking classes at uh, sbcc and just received my um certificate diploma in creative writing yay so that's how i stayed sane in a way during mm -hmm. the pandemic i was always taking class yeah uh online you know which you know you're not with anybody um but you get so used to it but it kept me going and i had homework and lots of homework and mm -hmm. so in all of this time those those credits accumulated and that and then just submitting so i've had seven essays from my book published nice um, a poem published i did a reading at chaucer's recently and i'm still trying to get my book published in the publishing world that's a whole other Ooh, that's a hard one. How did you find the the confluence of the writing and the cancer diagnosis? Did they fuel each other? Did they save each other? What was the connection between those two? <clears throat> um, I think perhaps it had to do with the fact that I was home so much mm. <clears throat> and often with drains hanging out of me from surgeries. And I had to have I just had to find something to focus on. I, mm -hmm. I can't even remember how it, I, I came to that point. I just knew that I was, I was writing as I was experiencing some of the things, but I was also thinking about uh, what that would have been like for my mother back so long ago, and there was nothing being done for women. Mm -hmm. And it sort of brought all that, but it, it, it wasn't until I looked back on a draft that I even realized that I had written from the perspective of a motherless daughter. Like uh -huh. how it affected each career, love life, marriage, everything. It affected everything. But I didn't realize that until later. But it, in through all those recoveries and sitting home and pain meds and all that, I, I think it just gave me something to focus on mm -hmm. that and my hummingbirds and having them come and sit on my hand and take nectar and just and writing about that and just having moments of beauty, hmm. you know, which were my savior. And that's a premise of my book. Yeah, we're both Jason and I are chuckling because before you got on, we recorded a couple episodes and one of them was on simplicity. And I talked yeah. about feeding the birds and the jay sitting on my finger and taking the peanut. And you know, we we miss those moments of simplicity. Uh, yeah. Jason, you look like you wanted to say something. Well, I was going to say that picture right there is a hummingbird because hummingbirds are very important to me. So it's it's just kind of interesting. A lot of the synchronicities of of what you're actually talking about and bringing in because so i think it's it's interesting because like you said i mean here here you are your mother died when she when you were only three right right then you have cancer but i think what what's interesting is what you kind of said there is you know the writing and the expression and that creative process kind of took your mind away from that or helped you kind of have an outlet because i i know so much of the time when people get sick whatever it might be 
people tend to kind of wallow in self-pity and, you know, woe is me, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you were finding kind of some simple pleasures in writing and feeding the hummingbirds. And I mean, how did, how, how did you, how did you come to that? <laughs> you know, I, um, in all honesty, um, I had some terrible days. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the diagnosis, because I had cervical cancer in my 20s and I cured myself holistically. So I had been on that path of exercise, healthy eating, everything. But genetics are genetics. And the fact that it was in both breasts, and they took me immediately for the BRCA, which fortunately I was negative on. But I think because I was on my own, and at that time, uh, you know, I don't have kids. I don't really have family. <coughs> my brother and I are estranged. And even though he was five when our mother died, he did not come into the picture to help out. And I was doing so much on my own. And I think that I had to find those even if it was five minutes of reprieve. And I have always been a seeker of beauty ever since I can remember. And I've had people say, oh, I like going on walks with you because you notice everything. And I, and I am an environmentalist and a wildlife animal advocate. So it's important to me to appreciate our nature and our wildlife. And so that, and I had, I was living up in Las Canoas, not that that was the best place. It was way up there and there were a lot of fires, but there was so much wildlife around there and, mm. and the hummingbirds. And we had such a terrible drought that they depended on me for that. Mm. And that gave me a purpose. I felt like it gave me a purpose and they became, they would just sit with me and stare yeah. at me and hover and come to my hand. I have a video, um, a YouTube video. Uh, I don't even know how I got, had my camera set up because I had like seven of them coming in, like, you know, in and out. And there was always the territorial ones stayed on my pinky. And then the other ones would fly in like a little freeway. And it was the most amazing experience because the, 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 that hum, that they take in the wing when you have that mini it's literally going into your body uh, and so i just felt they were my little healing angels wow you know That's... and i had so much solo time and i had lost my cat at the same time that i got the first staff she was 21 Oof. and then i i had to put her down and go into emergency surgery oh god that's a and, day. I mean, I lost one of my closest friends uh, during the middle of all that. There was there was so much intensity mm -hmm. during that time. Um, I honestly, when I look back, I do not know how I did it, but I can tell you there is such a a thing as the gift of autopilot, because we are. I was a marching medical soldier. I just you know. I don't know how I did it and I don't and I look back and sometimes I don't remember how I got to the office I was sitting at in a parking lot one mm -hmm. of the and then sometimes I would be at one doctor's office parking lot when I was supposed to be in another one just because I was literally on autopilot and it was yeah. a, it was constant it went on for six years so wow yeah 
you had said something, Valerie, that I wanted to back up to because I can relate to this as well. So my mom also died of cancer. She got sick when I was about 11 and died when I was 18. So during my pivotal times, I also did not have a mom. Yours died much younger. But you saying that as you were going through this, you kind of thought back to, you know, what it must have been like for her to not have those kinds of treatments. And I have thought of that as well. If my mom was alive today and had the kind of cancer she did, there's treatments that could have helped her. So did you find, as, as a motherless daughter, did you find a, a, a connection to her that you didn't have previously? Did you find sort of a sort of from beyond synergy with her because you were now experiencing similar things? I felt incredible sadness mm. for what it must have been like for her. Also, she had two very young children that she uh. knew, had to have known she was leaving behind. The other thing that makes me very sad about that time for her, she was from the South and you don't talk about things. Right? So, and in that time, women did not speak the word breast or breast cancer, or, and she didn't even tell her best friend. And so it makes me sad that she had to keep all that to herself, you know, other than with my father. And, and that she, I, I think she had to have gone, suffered, because by the time she passed, I think she must have had it when she was carrying because by the time she passed, she had it in her bone and that takes a while for it to get that severe. So it, it's just, it made me feel very, very sad. I had hoped that she was with me. I don't have any real, I have foggy, one kind of foggy memory of her hanging laundry and sitting out on the patio and, and in Miami, it, you know, it, it everything dries in like 10 minutes but she would be hidden in the sheet and then I'd see her and then the sheet would blow back on her I wrote about this in my book and that I have my most vivid memory is when she was in the casket that is a vivid memory but I thought back at her because I I just thought how it's so in the open now and there's there's so many people to support you yeah you know, whether it's the Breast Cancer Resource Center or your doctors, like Dr. Kiguchi and Dr. Schooler, they were, they've become friends. I was there so much in, in you know, getting their help. Um, I, I just wish I had known my mother rather than just inherit her genetics. I just wish I had had a chance to know. Yeah. I, I thought about that a lot. I wanted to seek more but my father passed early too. And we never had those discussions. I was only in my twenties when he passed. Um, it, and it was a time where, you know, she just wasn't really brought up very much. But I think it's just amazing. I mean, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, right. About how alike so many of us are, right. My mother died of breast cancer as well right so all three of us lost our mothers to cancer you know you were both younger mine was 33 when she went but my grandmother died when my mother was only 15 probably from the same thing i mean again it was at that time when you just don't talk about any of these things right yeah. but but i know from listening to my mother you know same thing that 
seeing in the casket and 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 her describing my grandmother i mean it had metastasized to where you could see it on her skin all over the place right and and you know just again how so much of the time even you know your mother all of our mothers probably felt alone somewhat because again i mean today it's it's much much more out there but how none of us are alone we've all kind of gone through or have some of these similar experiences and they're things that we can actually talk about right because there's no reason for us to have to feel like we're alone and sit in the sadness ourselves, right that we can actually reach out so many people i think yeah. can relate to us or have had similar experiences if we just are willing to open up and talk about it yeah, this is um, how I, I, can't, I came, uh, I think it was a, somebody was talking at the Breast Cancer Resource Center, and she talked about how there's all these retreats for women that are uh, survivors, and sometimes you're still in treatment. And I looked into this one, and that's how I met um, Kathy Backus, who is the director of sendmeonvacation.org. She began that after losing her best friend to breast cancer. She started this and it takes women on retreats. And this, when I first met her, it was 2018 and it was a retreat in Mexico and we just clicked immediately. And, uh, you know, you went to workshops and there was, uh, you know, I mean, it was in, it was in the Caribbean. So I was snorkeling, that's what I was interested. I wanted to get out in that water because that's what I love. That, that is where I feel so free. Um, and, uh, but, she really liked my writing and I told her that I had this idea to use my background in fashion design because I was trying to also find a purpose and you know hopefully totally on the other side and surviving this and uh so I came up with this workshop and I told her what I thought of the title and she loved it and it's living and healing through color mm. And so I use my that background along with my writing, and the, I I read a piece called Venice Vision, which was a dream that I had about being in Venice, Italy, swimming in the canals. However, it was tropical; the water was tropical, and I was looking at all the colors of the buildings. So I use that to get the women to think about color and image and imagery, because you know. What I learned in my business is a lot of women don't have that ability. And that's mm -hmm. why I coordinate all their looks and all that with color. And there is so much um, proven uh, pieces out there on how color can really um, lift your, um, your spirit. And in, in looking at color, and I, when I was looking at all the medical walls, it's what made me think about that. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, you have all these artists, famous artists that speak about the effect of color, uh, whether it's Kandinsky or any of these others. So I, and, I, and then I use the psychiatry part of it uh, in using color and, and present a workshop. And then I get them to thinking about color for themselves and their space, because so many women are home when yeah. they're happy to be in recovery. And in, you know, in my own space here, in my kitchen is like this gorgeous orange. 
And then I have like magnolia on the walls that I added red oxidized and sage green in my bathroom and a be most beautiful blue where I feel like I'm on the bottom of the ocean when I wake up in yeah. my and I think that there is a lot to be said about that. And so that I've done in Tuscany and I did it on a walking tour in Tuscany and in the Dominican Republic, which we had a, a big suite that was able to- Hosting, hosting a retreat. No, I was a facilitator. Gotcha, okay. So yeah. they were- Talking about color and the environment and- Yes, I would come in and present a workshop as gotcha. a facilitator, yeah. So sometimes there are women that come in to do yoga or, you know, right. there's other, other, you know, healing kind of workshops. Um, and That's I've really, it's, it's made me feel like there's some purpose uh, with all this, along with my book, of course. But yeah, um, but that but women in these retreats, when you're speaking about how we have now support, all of these women have the common denominator even though their experience and their journey could be different, you know, with, with breast cancer, whether it's stage one, stage four, what it, whatever it might be, there is a con immediate connection amongst these women. And they're from all walks of life, all different, the Midwest, sometimes they've, they've come internationally, Australia, and, but that is the common denominator. Yeah. And, you know, we all know how scary that is, what it's like, some people had lots of support. Others like me didn't have any support. I mean, family-wise, you know. Sure. And that's how you, and then, then you can go back and what they call an angel and then support the other women that are going. Mm. So it's, it's really, it's, it's so great that there are these kinds of things for women out there because then they can get together and there's nobody that understands more than someone who's been through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we're starting to wrap, um, any final thoughts for you, Jason, or? Well, I was gonna, I was, I could go down a whole rabbit hole on color <laughs> with you. I mean, and I know you kind of teach that too, but maybe are there <clears throat> just a couple of quick questions, just tease everybody too. And, but, but are there, um, are there certain colors that are good for everybody or is, is some of this color stuff actually really more dependent on the person themselves? Cause I know you were talking about like sage green and the blue and some of these other different colors. Like if there's certain colors, you know, for maybe people that are listening, it's like, Hey, put more yellow in your life or, you know, whatever, if, if that might, might help them, or if it's more of kind of a personalized thing that you've seen. Well, uh, different colors do represent a different emotion. I will say that. Now, Kathy is able to wear that color orange. I cannot. So when, when I do my stylist work, I am, I am looking at skin tone, hair color, the color of the eyes. I am very fair. That's, I love that color. So where did I put it? In my kitchen. So, you know, that's what I would tell these women, you know, that, that, you know, a lot of people cannot wear olive or they're, you know, certain colors. Yellow is another one. However, but if that's a color you love and it makes you feel great, then put it in your kitchen or, you know, paint something in your, you know, like one wall, an accent wall. That's how I suggest that because, and then I do when, because I, this is my work. It's been my work. When some of these women say, well, what color do you think would look good on me? I tell them. 
And if, if they love a certain color, but I don't think it's going to really be the most flattering. Because the point is, we want to wear a color that's going to be flattering. Sure, yeah. To our skin tone and, and everybody's, you know, can be so different with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but there's other ways to do it. And you can do it with, uh, you can like have neutral tones, but then like in the back, I have th- that color pillow has all my colors in that. Yeah. The, you know, wine red and the orange and teal uh, or all in that, in that pillows and I hunted for that fabric I don't even want to tell you how long <laughs> that's great I go on at all Jason I, go, I, love it. I love it I love searching we lost our fabric store but I'm that kind of person that could go in there and just look and look and search for hours and I yeah. find I find it fun yeah. so um but yeah I think um it's important to do colors you love it's also on yourself important to wear colors that are flattering because when you like when I'm looking at you, that's the first thing I noticed was the color you have on, the orange. And and it looks good on you. Yeah, and, I look really good in orange. Right. So, but that's what I'm talking about, magnetic. Mm-hmm. And I would have, when I have clients who would do public speaking, I would talk to them about wearing something that everybody's going to pay attention to you. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's funny that you say that I did um, every year I do the UK hypnosis convention and it tends to be not drab, but like everybody's in black or everybody's in dark blue. And I showed up in this bright red dress and the organizer came up to me and he said, thank you for brightening this conference. He said, thank you for wearing something bold. And because like, I look good in the jewel tone. So like the dark blue, the dark purple, the wine, the red, the orange, the fall colors look really good on me from what I understand of this. Um, and he was just, he like actually took me aside and thanked me for wearing some bright colors because right. uh, nobody else was, everybody else was in these neutral or black tones. And so yeah. I love color. I love wearing, you know, and it, every, and it, everything's it, orange. My case, case is orange. My purse is, well, not anymore. And, right. it, and you know, and that becomes kind of your signature. And I like, I wear this color quite a bit because I have blue eyes and mm-hmm. I'm very fair. And so, you know, I have to, you know, I have to be aware of that. But um, when, you know, sometimes it's a beautiful color, but not necessarily the greatest for that person's skin tone. So I just try to to steer them into a different direction. And sometimes people are more spring colors. And even if, because I do like black as a, uh, you know, I just, I actually look really good in black with blonde hair. Oh, yeah. I do. But I like to wear accent color. And so even at that convention, those women could have found some fantastic color in a necklace or a scarf, you know, that was like a poochie scarf, you know, that has that vibrant color to it. That's what I would need my attorney clients into because they were always having to wear gray or whatever kind of suits. And then I'm like, okay, but your underpinning needs to be in a bold color or your scarf. And they started getting a whole lot more attention in court and not negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's not what you want. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, so Valerie, it's been such a joy to have you on. Why don't you tell everybody how to reach you, how to find your book, all that good stuff. Well, the book isn't published yet. However, on my website, which is ValerieAnnBurns.com, I think Jason's going to put that in. Yep. It'll be in the lower thirds too. Yeah, it's Anne with an E, ValerieAnnBurns.com. You can find my published work. 
under books and publications. So the book is not published yet, but you can get a very great sense of my writing by looking under what's published. I have, now there's three print, like Chicken Soup for the Soul and some other anthologies, but there are also online journals where you can read Venice Vision, which I mentioned earlier, uh, Gulfstream Awakening, which is the opening to my book. Those you can read uh, right there um, just by clicking on the link. And, um, still hope to get the book published, but there's also my workshop. I talk about my workshop there and some of my stylist work. So it's all on ValerieAnnBurns.com and you can reach me through that as well. Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and talking to us about color and your journey through cancer and losing your mom. Uh, and like I said, we can all relate to that. And so many people listening can also relate to that. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, Jason, Three final thought from you? Right here, three of us have all yeah. had that experience. We've all had it. People. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I wanted to thank you, Valerie, too, because I think, you know, again, we didn't have very much time today. I mean, I could go down this color rabbit hole with you for hours, right, over a glass of wine, but we can't do that on the podcast right now. But, but you know, grateful for you and, and also for your example, because I think, too, it's very apparent that you've been able to kind of reinvent yourself throughout your life and continue to find a purpose for yourself and continue to find a way to serve and help other people, help the planet, you know, as well. And so I'm just very grateful uh, that I got to meet you and, and, and hear your story. So thanks for what you're doing and keep doing what you're doing. And I think you're, you're, a, you're a great example um, to everybody for what can happen. So. Well, I appreciate that. And it's, I will, I will be the first one to say that I had, I was, you would have found me in the sofa so curled up if I had my cat with my cat, but I think you do. You just have to find those moments of beauty out there to keep yourself going. Yep, exactly what we were just talking about before the show. All right, I'm Kathy Groover. I can be reached at kathygroover.com. And I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out, have a great week. Check out Valerie's website, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Fire Earth Podcast. See ya. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Okay.